Ali Baker, she, her, an education lecturer and children's fantasy literature researcher at University of East London. You're listening to Fantasy Book Swap, where a guest and I swap children's fantasy fiction, one classic and one contemporary, and we discuss them. Today, I'm joined by Juliet Kemp, science fiction and fantasy author. Hello, what have you been up to recently? Hello, um, just to add my pronouns are they, them. So, um, yeah, what have I been up to? I, uh, as I was just saying before we started recording, I've been uh, away with my partner and kids in Thailand, Cambodia, Laos and Malaysia, bimbling around on trains, which has was amazing, really good fun, quite tiring in places. Also, it's very hot there. Yes. <laughs> and and there are insects that bite you. That was less, less good. Uh, but yeah, that was great. But yeah. Uh, writing wise i'm working on a new book in a completely new world having finished the Marek books now so this is a new project and i've just when i when i got back from holiday my the, my friend who's alpha reading it gave me a bunch of notes on it so i'm now thinking about those and what i do with that and you know preparing for a rewrite <laughs> um and hopefully i've got two novellas coming out later this year although i don't have definite dates for that yet but that's in the edit process so i'm dealing with that as well so yeah and good stuff do you have uh publisher details that we could um share? i don't think there's an official announcement for either of them yet yeah. so i better not <laughs> okay yeah i'm doing a zip uh, but yes across my mouth. Uh, watch this space watch this space listen really to this space, is. well like i mean i will share <laughs> your your social media things and so people mm. can can cut check that out but that sounds super duper exciting and i loved the Marek book so i'm i'm very very excited that that uh, you've got uh, another project on the way because i mean that story was kind of tied up so nicely it just yeah oh, that's really pleasing to hear <laughs> that was what i was going for <laughs> brilliant yeah i mean there's sometimes it's it's something that kind of you know there there is a story cycle this story cycle is complete and it there's nothing more that can be added to that and i i kind of i i do quite like the the way that a lot of authors seem to be writing in trilogies at the moment rather than you know never-ending mm. sequences so so that's that's very nice um okay so your choice i mean this is like not an unknown quantity um in that it's not fantasy uh, it is an emetic fiction, We Didn't Mean to Go to Sea by Arthur Ransom, which fascinates me because it's not one of his, you know, immediately yeah. best known books, which, I mean, it's going to be Swallows and Amazons, obviously. Mm. Uh, and Winter Holiday is actually my favourite. Oh, I do love that one books. as well. I love <laughs> it so much. Uh, so... Can you summarise the plot of We Didn't Mean to Go to Sea? Um, right. So, yes, it is It is a Swallows and Amazons book. In that it's in that series. But this one only has the Swallows in. The Amazons are elsewhere. Yeah. Um, and they, they're waiting for their uh, dad, who's a naval officer, to show up for his leave um, and make friends with a local sort of, I think he's a young man in his uh, late teens, early 20s, yeah. uh, who has... A small yacht and offers while they're waiting to take them off for a couple of days sailing on the river not at sea on the river crucially um and he at, at, at some point he goes ashore for some petrol he's like i'll just be 10 minutes doesn't come back doesn't come back we we find out in the book later why he's he's been hurt but they the kids don't know 
Yeah. Um, so they're sitting there waiting. Fog comes up, the tide comes in, and they forget to extend the anchor, and they get swept out to sea in a fog. Um, and they end up sailing all the way across the North Sea because, for initially, because it's safer to go out into clear water than to mess around in the fog when they don't know where the rocks are, which is true. And later, because the wind is so fierce that they can't get back, partly because it's too much and partly because um, Susan gets seasick. Um, and I won't quite give away the and Everything's all right in the end. Nobody does drown, although there is a, mo- there is a genuinely scary yes. moment. Yes. Um, and yeah, it is. It's, I mean, yes, it is mimetic fiction, although um, bearing in mind, I was thinking about this earlier, bearing in mind, that it's now nearly a hundred years ago that this was yeah. set. They're set in the late twenties. Um, it's not fantasy, but it's certainly not even when I was reading it in the eighties. It's not an experience, a sort of world that I no. um, had. And when I was reading them recently to my kid, who's eleven now, I was aware that it's another thirty plus years on, and it's even further away. The kind of world that they live in, and there's things that I intermittently explained to him. I know. <laughs> I he keeps of him as, as your small child. <laughs> That's... Yeah, no, he's now a medium-sized child. <laughs> Good grief. Yeah, wow. That's that's blown me for a moment. But yes, yeah. I, I agree with you. I think that, I mean, my dad read uh, the entirety of the Swallows and Amazons books and many, many more books to me. And he stopped, he stopped reading me a bedtime story when I went to secondary school. Mm. So... Yeah, had I had bedrooms, bedtime stories all of my childhood, and um, the swallows and I'm I mean, very much books that he liked. Rather, you know, yeah, no, that's I I read bedtime stories to Leon still, and it's uh, books I think he'll enjoy. But I, the ones I read to him are the older, the ones that I enjoyed. And currently, yeah. we're doing um, the Dark is Rising series. Oh wow! Uh, I know, which was nearly my choice for this, but you've already done it. Uh, but yes, we did swallow the numbers. All the I other think, books, there's a Dark year. Rising series, just saying, everybody. Um, <laughs> and they're all great. Yeah, yes. so yes, um, I think that um, it, it did re, it could have been another world. It really, mm. yeah, that, that kind of whole, I mean, it's not historical fiction because he wasn't writing it as historical fiction. He was no. writing it as contemporary fiction, but that, that kind of. It is now. It is now <laughs> yes. historical, yes. I, I I mean, yeah, absolutely. So what what do you remember about when you first read it? Do you remember how old you were? Um, well, th- I mean, this is the thing. I, I This is the first one I read in the series. And I don't, hmm. I guess, I've I found, I've still got my copy, which I'm going to sh- show to Ellie on the, on the Zooms. Um, oh, yes, I remember Which that. is, yeah, which is one of the um, 1980s puffins. Um, and I, the publication date is 1983. I was five in 1983, so I can't have read it then but my guess from both as i think i must have read it like when i was maybe somewhere between eight and eleven probably and and i obviously this is one of the books i picked up with my own pocket money um right. so i guess it was i i the, the title appeal but it's a great title <laughs> it's a and i did right. and i did then go and read the rest of them i didn't um i think i read the rest of them from the library um because we do have them all now but i bought them in the nice jonathan cape editions for leon oh this um, this this yeah, that one, the lovely hard. Yeah, the lovely. Uh, we've got the hardbacks. In fact, I think I say I bought them. I think my um, partner bought them. Uh, my other partner bought them for Leon as Christmas presents for when he was little. Um, uh, but yes, so I think so. I bought that with my pocket money, and I do remember that my chief memory of 
reading it for the first time is being really genuinely scared when John has to go up in this kind of, you know, terrible sea to reef the sail so that they can, because they've got too much sail on, they're going too fast yes. and they can't control the boat. Um, and he does actually at one point nearly fall overboard and he sensible, sensible lad had a uh, lifeline on, so he's fine, but it does feel really scary, especially because you see it from the point of view of his sister Yes. who just sees him go and she's like oh he's nearly done he's, he's gonna be fine and then he slips and you're like oh my god um so yeah it felt really scary and it felt like i mean i think i su- presume that even at that age reading the book i didn't actually think that john was going to drown because like it's not that sort of book yeah. <laughs> you know one of your protagonists drowns um in that yeah uh, but it it still felt scary and i I think the other thing that really I enjoyed about it at the time and still do is that sense of like the, the sense of realism of, of it, it isn't fantasy and it's not even I mean they maybe have slightly more freedom than you know it's a little bit fantasy like oh they get to do all these things but it yeah. feels very real and they make dis- decisions that have consequences and they make mistakes and then they have to deal with them and like you can all of, all of the things they do are, are, are you know sometimes they make mistakes but they're kind of sensible it's like okay now we have got this situation now what do we do and like that's a what they choose to do is actually is, is the reasonable thing to do in the circumstances um but i i liked and i like the sense of yeah making making mistakes and having to deal with them which reminded me i read antonia forrest's um yes autumn term around the same age and i, I really loved that as well that the kids in that's you know in many some ways a trad school story but but it has you know Nicola and Laurie genuinely screwing up and and then having to deal with the consequences like they don't kind of get a lovely moment of you know everything's now fine they're like oh we we messed up and now you know we're thrown out of guides and that's it like we can't yeah we we can't fix it and we just have to move on and I I really liked that yes and actually I think the book is Attic Term it's one of them when their older sister Jinty, uh, they they have a there's a secretary in the school who for some reason doesn't yes. them, and uh, she she works out that she can go into the school office and phone her boyfriend. Yes, I remember that. Yes, which is you read it like, oh my god, what an idiot! And then she cheats, doesn't she? Like she gets she reads the papers. But yeah, she accidentally yes. reads the 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 O level papers, which are mm. on the secretary's desk which shouldn't be on the secretary's desk. Yes, and shouldn't be available, no. It absolutely has consequences, not only for for Ginty, but the other, you know, other people in the school year and, you know, the consequences aren't... Her boyfriend, yes. Yeah, but they're they're pretty bad. Um, Yeah. And, you know, they they do genuinely get in trouble. But, yes, so... I mean, in in this case, you know, everything does turn out all right in the end. I'm not going to spoil what happens when they when they get across to you know get to the the next morning um but it does kind of get resolved and there is a certain amount of you know okay what the hell were you thinking but also given the circumstances you made some sensible decisions and now we're gonna fix everything um uh, yeah but it but it doesn't feel like deus ex machina i don't think it's a little bit like what if what a helpful coincidence but like it's all right yeah <laughs> they dealt so well up to them that they need they deserve a little bit of rescuing yeah, um, the character, the 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 protagonist that I kind of relate to the hardest is Susan. 
Oh, yeah, no, I love the big sister because <laughs> I'm a big sister as mm-hmm. well. And I had, I think because I hadn't reread this for such a long time, I kind of, I hadn't realised how how fleshed out her character is mm. in in the books and that she is clearly, I mean, Ransom tells us she's just as good at sailing boats as John is. Mm. Um, and Mother as well is another character that's much more mm. fleshed out in this book. And, and she's also like, a capable and sensible woman. Yeah. Um, but I I liked I liked Susan as a character because I think she's got that I feel for her quite a lot because obviously to me the character that Ransom most uh has fondness for is Titty. Yes. <laughs> Bless her. Who I also loved as a child, as a child who was writing a lot of stories and exercise books. <laughs> yeah, and she's like the dreamy one, the romantic one, and all the mm. red Susan's like the, well, I'm going to go and get stuff sorted uh, character. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's, and I, I kind of, I'm, I feel sorry for her and because the kind of parentification issue mm-hmm. of being the oldest sister of, three younger siblings because there's also in this book there's Bridget the very Mm. little sister who isn't allowed to go on the boat um but there's uh but also like she's she worries about everything and Mm -hmm. uh, in a way that Titty just doesn't (laughs) (laughs) I'll just go and quote a poem everything will be fine Uh, I, I do kind of really feel for her and I think that in my head I'd got her mixed up with Susan from the Narnia books, uh. who's also a big a big sister, um, but is much who I I continue to maintain. C.S. Lewis doesn't have a lot of time for. No, I don't think. Yeah, I think I think Susan and Susan in the um, Swallows and Amazon books is much much more sympathetically dealt with. Like there's yeah. There's occasionally times where the others are like, oh, honestly, you know, Susan is being very, very first mateish or very adultish and insisting on like teeth, you know, teeth and eggs and bedtime or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's also very clear in the books and sometimes I think said out loud by um, either the parents or even the kids are aware of it, that without Susan, they wouldn't be able to do half of what they are allowed to do. Yeah. And it's because Susan can be relied upon to, you know, keep to to take care of those things um that's sort of central to them being allowed to do things and she does get to do fun stuff as well she's she is the one who thinks about like it's probably dinner time but she also does get to do um as you say she's good at she's good at sailing she's good at other things she does do adventuring too yeah um and she she doesn't she's not doing a sort of adult thing of stopping anyone from doing what they want to. She's just being like, before we go and, you know, pan for gold or whatever, we need to make sure we've got sandwiches with it. <laughs> yes. Um, and I, I say in my, as a child, I think I identified with Titty, but in, when I sort of reread them in my early twenties, um, I had very strong fellow feeling for Susan because, um, and, my friends used to make jokes about it at that stage because I was the one when we were kind of in our early 20s and going off um, to festivals and clubbing, whatever. It was like, right, okay, you know, has everyone got their stuff? Um, when Is it not lunchtime now? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Has everyone 
put on sunscreen. Where are we going yeah. to meet? Yeah. <laughs> that kind of, you know, I was, I was, was being, I did, I took on that kind of practical role and I'm still quite solutions focused. Um, and yeah, I, but, but yes, I think in comparison, Susan and the Narnia books, it her to the extent that she, that ad, sort of adult, she's referred to as an adult way. It's very, um, scathing. I mean, obviously there's a whole line about n- nylons, but even before that, I don't think yeah. she's, uh, she does get to do adventurous things, obviously, but there's always, yeah, I don't know, a little bit. Uh, scathing's maybe an overstatement, but yeah, I don't think uh, she's entirely sympathetically portrayed. I, the other thing that I really like about the ransom books is that we don't we don't get a lot of physical descriptions of the children, mm. apart from Nancy Blackett, who we in the first book where we do. Person encounter Nancy, we we do have a physical description of her, and I think I always aspired to be Nancy Blackett, but I'm actually <laughs> Susan. Um, um, that okay. that uh, you, so we can kind of there are the illustrations of the books because the illustrations are done by Ransom, and he wasn't a professional illustrator, so they're quite. I like them a lot, but they the, are they're lovely, but they're quite yeah, sketchy. Yeah. They are quite sketchy, and the. the the facial characteristics are never very well drawn, mm. so we don't we don't particularly get a, a an an understanding of what the the children look like. And I yeah, he's better he's better at boats to be honest. He's much better <laughs> at boats. Very good at drawing boats. Not very good yeah. at drawing people. Yeah. Um, although I do really like the photo of the cormorant. I mean, the image of the cormorant. Yeah, that rather lovely. Um. But yeah, so we don't we we can kind of we don't have the kind of focus on beauty mm. that we did we do in um the in the Narnia books because when Susan is Queen Susan in the Narnia mm. books we are told about how famously beautiful she is and so that kind and, of does and I guess they do actually grow up in it in that yeah, whereas they you know, yeah. they're just they're, they are ki- they are kids um throughout so uh, maybe that affects how they kind of get portrayed as children as well in Narnia because they've got that time of being adults and it's a bit weird (laughs) yeah yeah as I said these are my dad's favorite books or favorite Mm. childhood books and um he he um, sent me a whatsapp message when I told him that I was going to be I was reading them and um, Mm. he has recently written a letter to the times about Right. about the 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 swallows and amazon books and i will see if i can find it and add oh, it excellent show notes yeah um because yes anyway um he sort of said yeah would it's very much of its time i mean would you just let a random young man go off with your children <laughs> and i i thought about that and then when i was rereading the beginning it's quite clear that mother does go and check him out Absolutely, she does. Yeah, she goes. She goes she's... around the village. She asks people about him, and you know, because everyone says he's, you know, he's sensible, he's capable. She's like, well, okay then. And you and know, in fact, their their landlady um, has known him since he was a nipper as well, right? Yes, so, that's so right. she's got that very kind of very sort of personal thing. And then she, she, but she, but yeah, she doesn't just take on Mrs. Whatever her name is. Is she? Yeah, she goes and says nothing. Nobody's got a bad word to say about him. But the thing that I had forgotten, I'd I thought he was, you know, in his mid twenties. But then, you know, like when you're a 
child, someone being 19 yeah. is ancient. But yeah, he's young. <laughs> he's young. He's just finished school. <laughs> he hasn't gone to university. He's taking a break between school and university. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> yeah. But so I'm thinking about it, like the young leaders at Scouts, because um, Leon, you know, Leon's at Scouts, um, the young leaders at Scouts are kind of 16 to 19. They do normally have an adult, adult leader along with them, but they do take quite a bit of responsibility. Yes. Um, and in fact, when I was a guide, which okay, is 30 years ago now, and I don't know how they manage this now, but when I was a guide at 14, I took a bunch of my, my patrol camping um, on my own. And that was, there was a thing called a permit. And I ran one camp to get the per permit and one camp afterwards. Yes. Um, and there was, we had to camp on a site with an adult on the, prem on the premises, but the adult was like 10 minutes walk away. And this was in, you know, 1992, we did not have a mobile phone. That in an emergency, that was the nearest help. Um, yeah. And I, at the time, I thought this was perfectly fine. Looking back, I'm a bit 14, really. Yeah. <laughs> would yeah. I now send my 12 year old away with another 14 year old? I don't know, maybe, like, maybe I would if the, uh, like, if that happened at Scouts and our scout leader was like, yes, no, I think this is, you know, I think this is all going to be fine and we've got things in place. I don't know if they do it anymore. I, don't, I think maybe they're a bit stricter. Uh, I would imagine that so, health and yeah. safety regulations make it. But, yeah, we, but we also would... it would be easier to have to get somebody more quickly. Um, so, yeah. you know, we would say we were camping on a scouting site with a resident adult. It's just the resident adult was up the road. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So. So, yeah. Uh, and I think it's I think it was very I think it was good for all of us. I think, you know, Duke of Edinburgh is similar. Like you have you have adult support, but there's long, there's long stages where you're on your own. Um, absolutely and if a problem comes up you've got to fix it and i think if, if you think about the timeline of the book of the swallows and amazon books at the beginning uh, when they're in um windermere they are they they go they go sailing they learn how to sail and then they go and stay on an island in lake windermere so they're not mm. miles and miles away from home they're literally within sight of the end of the garden, exactly. like because <laughs> yeah. they can see the island at the start, can't they? And then, as 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 the kind of the stories progress, they do they they learn and develop their skills, mm. so they then go on to do more independently. And I think yeah. that's that's quite realistic. Um, yeah, and one of the things I really love about these books, I've always loved books where I learn things. Mm. Uh, you know novels where I learn things so like a lot of my uh interest in languages uh started because of reading the chalet school books yes <laughs> no same same yeah where there's <laughs> a lot of yeah. French and German in the books and yeah I learned I enjoyed learn I enjoy learning languages anyway but I did kind of get to to read them purely because I wanted mm. to know what what the the languages were and learning about food in different countries and folk yeah. systems in different countries so i've always loved that and um and yeah i mean like i've only ever been sailing once but i remembered a lot of the language of the sailing mm. from from reading the uh swallows and amazons books what what I, do you what do you think you learned from them i did learn a bunch of stuff about sailing and in fact i uh, I think that was part of why I then I was a sea cadet for about four months um, when I was about 15, which did not go well because I wanted to go sailing and that was not what we did. What we did was an awful lot of drill 
<laughs> yeah. And also knots, which I, I learned a bunch of because there's a bit in the start where John ties a bowling and that's how they meet this lad who takes them off sailing. Um, and I'd learned a bunch of knots um, because that was I was interested um, from that. Uh, and in fact, later I I went when I did learn to windsurf as a, in my teens, um, which has a lot of similar something you know, some similarities with the, how it works. You just spend a lot more time in the water with windsurfing. Yes. Um, and in my mid twenties, I learned to sail, and that was absolutely because I've been like I'd like I wanted to do this for ages. So I take I've got my RYA level two, which is allows you to take a dinghy out in certain conditions. Uh, although I haven't done it for years, so if I was going to go again, I would have to, uh, I would have to, I would have to go back and do another weekend. I think, but it was lovely. I really, really enjoyed it. Many, one of the many things on my list of like stuff to do. So yeah, and that that, but that whole thing about um, all this kind of going out camping and lighting fires and this and so I was a brownie and then a guide, and we my guides did a lot of um, learning how to you know fires and cooking on fires. Um, yes. And learning how to do it properly with turfing and all of that kind of that that sort of practical competence. I don't yes. know how much of it I I maybe I learned to value from some of these these books. This idea and the Chalet School ones as well. Actually, this idea that here is a bunch of things you can do and that being competent at things um, is fun and leads to more adventures. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I th- I think so. I I I th- definitely the knots. I mean, like. I was not very good at tight knots when I was a guide um, and undiagnosed dyspraxic, but yeah. I did practice a lot. And the the illustrations in the, the mm. Swallows and Amazons books, and, and they were the one the things that made me want to persevere. Definitely, yes, yeah. yeah. And I I still really like the idea of of uh, cooking outdoors, and mm. you know, um, and definitely I went to. I went to Windermere many years ago and kind of like the the scenery is so imprinted in my memory mm. as a from me you know having these books read to me as a child that it was really weird standing on lake at the end out on Lake Coniston and looking mm. and going oh this is where yeah 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 amazing yeah. I've not been up there, but I would quite, I would quite like to go. There's, I think there's like a little museum up on. I can't remember if it's Windermere or Coniston because he used aspects right. of both to make yeah. his lake. Yeah. But yeah, there's a little museum up there somewhere um, where you can like. I think I, I, there's there's some kind of practical stuff you can do you can yeah. do in their back garden or something. And I was like, that sounds great. I wonder if I can convince my kid to do that. Yeah, no, it's it is. I mean, because that that area you've got Beatrix Potter. You've got mm. John Ruskin and you've got Swallows and Amazon. So I was in nerd heaven. Oh, Let yes, me tell brilliant. you. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was great. Yeah. It and it's very beautiful. Um, it gets very, very or it did at the time get very overcrowded in the summer. Yeah, so a good time yeah, to go visit it is probably May, I'd say. Yeah, well advantage it's of home ed, we can maybe that should be next year's uh, next year's trip. Um thinking again about learning learning from fiction, I was I think maybe I said something about learning to value competence and also common sense like one of the things you get from we didn't mean to go to sea is that sense of something has gone wrong let us take a deep breath yeah and not panic like they're like they're very worried and there are moments where they're like oh my god you know oh my gosh what what are we going to do but they don't kind of panic and lose lose their heads they come up with an idea they work out what they're going to have to do um 
and do it. And I I remember when I was reading them to my kid, a couple of times, and that's, I think that happens throughout the books, like things go wrong and everyone like calms down. There's a point where they fight a fire, like a fell fire, yes, um, which is also quite scary. Um, and I rem- stopped and remember talking to this when we when I was reading with my kid about like, what's something has gone wrong? What are they doing? Are they panicking? Because we've been talking to him about like, if something goes wrong, you don't need to lose, you know, lose your, or go into one. You can just like take a deep breath, try and work out what to do next. Um, and I think that's quite, to see that modelled and some of the thinking processes, I think can be quite valuable because even if you see your adults managing uh, even as a child, you see your adults managing situations. You don't see what's going on inside their heads. And of course, children, the, the sort of especially when you're a younger child, adults just look like they can do everything. Yeah. <laughs> and you it's, don't see the bit where you're thinking, ah. Um, yeah. Well, you have to cope now and panic later. It's, exactly. It's yeah, no, that's, that was my approach to life. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I think seeing that modelling of like that realisation of, oh, God, what, what, what's happening what have we done how do we you know what do we do now um i think that's really valuable and i think that the the journalistic because like when ransom's a journalist as well Mm. as novelist, that kind of journalistic reportage style it's not he doesn't when the way he describes things is quite matter of fact there's not a lot of drama in the language the drama is mm. all in the situation and i mm. i kind of i also really like the way that this book it starts straight away there's no introduction it yep. starts boom and i i really like that and i i suppose that this because it's i don't know which number book it is is it four mm. four or five? Way, yeah i can't remember uh and uh so yeah we don't the expectation is that we know who these people are and we don't yeah. um we don't need an introduction to them but even if you like you said that you read this um it, this is the first book yeah, yeah. But it's quite easy to work out who the people are and what the situation is and, uh, and of course even even at that age i've been reading a certain amount of sf and fantasy um yeah. uh, where also often just kind of plunges you in and you learn to to make little hooks in your in your mind for things and wait for it to be explained later so i quite uh, like that which i love i like that i think it's great yeah i know i re i reread the borrowers um a couple of years ago for i can't mm. remember why um but i did reread it and I'd forgotten this. It's this whole chapter that's a framing chapter. And it's about like uh, an elderly woman telling a story to, Alice, um, I think. I'd totally forgotten how boring that chapter was. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, yeah, no, I had, I had not remembered that that existed either. I can't yeah. remember the borrowers. Right yeah, yeah the, 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 what I want to know about is the actual borrowers. Mm. I'm interested in who these people are just tell me about the tiny people (laughs) that's all i want okay well shall we talk about my choice yes yeah yeah which is the strange world's travel agency the end of the ocean and it's by ld lapinski i will read the blurb welcome to the strange world's travel agency where every suitcase transports you to a different world. All you have to do is step inside. 
Flick is now a badge-wearing member of the Strange World Society. So when an urgent summons arrives from the world of the break, she and Strange World's guardian, Jonathan, immediately hop into a suitcase to take them there. The break is a flat water world filled with unpredictable merpeople, mysterious water creatures and enormous ships sailed by frightening pirates. And it's shrinking. The edge of the ocean is coming, coming ever closer. The people of the break need to leave and soon. But how do you sail a ship through a suitcase or rescue a merqueen the size of a blue whale? Will Flick and Jonathan be able to find a way before time runs out? So, what did you think? Uh, I, I, did, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I had read the first one because I got it. We picked it up at the bookshop at some point for my kids. Um, and in fact, after I finished this, I went on and read the third as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, it was uh, it was good. It was a good read. Um, and I'm I'm always a sucker for a pirate, obviously. Well, pirates are awesome. Yeah. 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 Obviously. Um. And yes, I think it was uh, it was a nice sort of extension of what was going on um, in the first book. Yeah. Um. And it's yeah, it's an interesting world, and it's an interesting premise that you can go through other worlds. Yeah, um, yeah it was, it what was, did it you was good think, fun. What did you think about the of the way that the this book uh, expands on the first one, which actually I think it's Phil Dyson and I talked about on Fantasy Book Swap mm. in yeah a while ago, which I will also link to in the show notes. But the, in the mm. first book, it's all very much about flick. Um, Flick moving to a new town, mm. being quite lonely, um, and go, she's not at started school yet because she's moved uh, between finishing primary school and starting mm. secondary school. Um, and she kind of comes across this weird shop with this uh, teenager looking after it. Mm. It's all very odd and mysterious uh, but she does discover that you can go through the suitcases into different worlds and she's able to do yeah. that and that that uh, she can see magic which she didn't realize um and so it's all that's very much about setting the scene there is yeah there is you've got this thing where she has to she sort of finds out how to use her own magic and there's the thieves world but yes it's I think the first one, as I recall, had had this sense of obviously there's a lot of suitcases, a lot of worlds yeah. out there. But yes, it's flick and flick and her magic and her relation, you know, and her friendship with Jonathan and mm. how that builds together. Um, I mean, I th it it reads like it was written with an eye to the overarching thing, yes. even if the book stands stands alone. I think the first one, but it's this the second one definitely starts picking up on those implications i guess yeah um and the problem it's it's it is primarily i'm trying to remember it's, it's a lot a lot of it is on that ocean world but they do hop off to some other ones and there's some references to other worlds yet yeah. which then get picked up in the third book and expanded further yes um and the problem that they're solving is kind of i guess it, it feels like an extension of of the the magic the way that yeah. the way that the first one was sold it's like well 
this is what you did last time. We can't do something like that, but they're, but they're connected. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Flick is kind of going out more into the world. And I, I think once again, making, cause she has, she does build relationships or make friends with other people as well in the first yes. one. Um, but she does more of that, I think, this time around. And in the third one, I think it, it builds on that more still. She's becoming like she, she's becoming maybe more um, a, a a suitcase traveler. I've forgotten the phrase they use. You know, in her own right, rather than you know being the our in, you know being our sort of introduction, a new person. And yeah. now she's like she she doesn't know as much as Jonathan does, but she's got things that she can do that he can't. And there's you know um, Avery, uh, yeah, Avery. That's right. No, yeah. Who also, you know, his distant relative of Jonathan's, who who comes in, and you've got these kind of, you know, more relationships building. Um, I don't know. It feels a bit like once you've once you've started putting the first book brought bricks, the bricks of the first book in place, you can then like build a more complicated structure on top of them. Yeah, I think that. Hmm. How can I put this? You. So you dived into the world of of uh, Solis and Amazons through a sequel. Mm. Do you think if you hadn't read the first book, do you think you would have been able to pick up aspects of this world or the relationship between the protagonists? Yeah, I think I think so, because it does there is a bit in the first chapter where there's a little bit of sort of scene setting, you know, reminding you where you come come back. And I think, you know, from a as a writer even if you are intent, like if you're writing a sequel, you many of your readers initially are going to pick up book two, having not read book one yeah. for the last you know year or two years, however long it's taken to get the thing out. Um, so, and it is you know some people go back and reread before they start book two or book three. And yeah. Most people don't. I think you have to expect that they don't. So you do have to do a little bit of you know previously, <laughs> on yes, this, uh, without it feeling. To, you know, without it feeling like that, some sometimes people do prequel do um, prologues, but I think mostly these days you try and dump in like a, a few reminders uh, yeah. in chapter one, and hoping that those will also, if somebody picks up book two without realizing it's book two, will also kind of clue people in. Um, and yeah. yeah, I think I think uh, Levinsky definitely does that. Mm. I think it probably would be enough to keep going. I mean, I think it. I think it's probably i would choose to read all three because i would mm. always choose to, to choose to read oh, a secret series like latest for sure um, one one two three rather than starting in the middle uh, but i think you could get away with that yeah i i think so too and i i like i think actually that they do it very well in this book because the first chapter is felicity lying in her bedroom she has this uh, magnifying glass mm. which enables her to see magic. And she's because she's been grounded for going on this adventure, which I also really like. She went <laughs> on an adventure, she got lost in time, she comes home, she's now grounded for, for yeah. staying out too late yeah, yeah. for worrying her parents. And yeah. I really like that. Uh, I mean, they, Lipinski very much does not get rid of the parents and that's also yes. something I, I really like they're kind of they're they're a very busy family they're a very loving family um, and uh, they do rely on uh, Flick a lot um, to look after her little brother but they're not unreasonable about it 
And mm. I think like grounding her because she's stayed out, stayed out overnight, overnight at age 11, like <laughs> is totally reasonable. Yes. <laughs> um, and of course she can't say, Oh, by the way, mum and dad, I can see magic and you know, my new friend mm. owns this magical travel agency, and therefore it's totally reasonable for me mm. to go and get lost in time and space because this is also a feature of the different worlds, isn't it? That time is different on each yeah. of the worlds. So yeah, I I really like it. I think it's I think it's great. But the way that Lipinski sets up the narrative is about Felicity lying in her bedroom, being cross because she's been grounded, yeah. but understanding why that's happened and enjoying herself by finding magic in the yes. environment around her which is a housing association estate which is something else i really love about it it's mm. very much flick is an outsider in that she's a, a newcomer to little wearings which is a great name for a village and also because she lives on this new estate which lots of people in the village are a bit like wary of you know mm. although poor people uh, in our village mm. um and that's there's kind of a big difference there's the difference between her and jonathan when they first meet is a class difference mm. is that he is a person who is an established member of the community and lives in a you know a nice house and you know, big house and all all of that kind of thing. And and in fact, he kind of uses that uh, to talk Flick's mum around yes, uh, early on in the book, where he sort of does does his. You know, I am a respectable uh, sort. Ad- I mean, he's just about an adult, isn't he? He's he's, he's another like like um late teens, uh, yeah, yeah, late teens. So like you know, he sort of yeah. does like Jim. He does he does his best kind of like you know, I am very res- respectable and I run a shop and. Um, hasn't Flick been terribly helpful? You, you know, it's so unusual to find young people these days. Yes, yes. <laughs> and he clearly, ramp, you know, he clearly knows that he can do that and sort of ramps it up to eleven, and it works. <laughs> it definitely works. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was that that Lipinski manages all of that really, really well. Mm. Um, and so one of the things I wanted to mention was about there's this often a a, a narrative within fantasy fiction that that or children's fantasy fiction in particular that having magic being magic makes you special and there's Mm. also post an author we shall not name this kind of idea of like genetic magic Mm -hmm. which is did not start with her obviously but you know this idea that magic is inherited like some kind of genetic specialness that makes you therefore uh, an aristocrat or something um and i i think that that's interesting that there doesn't seem to be anything like that within flick's family it's not it's not doesn't doesn't book three i haven't read book three yet okay um, no spoilers there. no spoilers yeah at this point, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I can't actually. I, I have read it, but I can't exactly remember how it works out. I, I think there is some. I think that that is complicated slightly. But I know what you mean about the kind of the one special like Flick has the one special power. Yeah, um, and I didn't. It's a really common trope in fantasy and yes. like adult fantasy as well. Um, and I'm not. It's not like I'm against it. 
like it was, but I, but I don't know. I, I, I increasingly feel I'd like to see more things where magic is just a thing that everyone has access to, and that you know, yeah. maybe I don't know. Maybe, maybe inevitably, it's going to um, vary a bit because you know, like we were talking about sailing. Um, yeah. Some people, even once you've learned to do a thing, like some people really get it, um, yeah. and some people struggle, um, and different people are good at different different things. Um, it's like I like cooking i can cook perfectly adequately but i'm not super into it and i'm not the sort of person who can really like you know invent a whole bunch of new and exciting things i can cook some robust stuff uh I, you know i can cook food that tastes okay that's yeah. it uh, so you know everyone has different skills and that's fine but um yeah i don't know the sort of one special person i'm often often feel slightly uncomfortable but i totally get why it shows up a lot in young in, in children's fiction in particular because there's that period in especially in adolescence where you do kind of you're you're very much the center of your own story as we all are all the time but I think adolescence particularly kind of you know very very self-focused like it's just part of that growing up period growing up period and that feeling of you know maybe maybe I am the one special person (laughs) well I think there's very much that kind of Cinderella narrative that goes Mm. on in a lot of young people's heads of like I can't possibly belong to this these people who don't am get I, am I maybe I'm secretly adopted yes exactly that, that I don't, nobody understands me anymore yeah <laughs> so yes I I do kind of I'd see that I think what I what I find difficult is the merit the magic gives you power or special mm. privilege and that kind the kind of I'm the one special one that is going to change the world or lead a revolution or that kind of thing. I find that a bit, I don't know. I find it uncomfortable. I think. I don't, I don't think it's like, I think it risks telling people the wrong, the wrong stories. Cause like we all build us, we build our reality and our experience out, out of stories, you know, human brains are very narrative focused. Um, and you know maybe this is a bit much to put on, <laughs> on uh, you know every, every novel out there. That's that's uh, not fair. But uh, the idea that you know change does not necessarily you know the idea that change happens through one special person rather than through a lot of kind of tedious, complicated <laughs> work and a lot of people yes. were you know having to compromise and work together and all that really you know change happens through committee boring yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, it does. And sometimes, and it goes backwards and forwards, which, you know, often does show up in, in books, but it's not, you know, the, the one, uh, I've tried to do this in my own stuff. I don't, you know, I've, I've never wanted the sort of one great fantasy sword battle yeah. uh, as a finish, but it's really hard actually to write away from that. I, this is, you know, off topic a bit because it's adult literature, but uh, writing my, the last book of Marek, I kept kind of writing towards a bit and I was like, no, stop, stop. Like, the big battle will be there on the horizon. I'm like, that's not what I want to do. I want to try and do something slightly different. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's it's hard. And I think I think that's true for children's fiction as well. That there are kind of tropes that um, are very appealing because actually believing that you that you know reading that experience of being the the one special person is actually really appealing. It feels nice. Um, Have you ever read Self Riding but- by Winifred Holtby? I don't believe so. I don't recognise the name or the title. It's, Sorry, the author or the title. She was um, the best friend of Virginia Britton, who was a okay. like, testament of youth and all of that. Mm. She the the um, South Riding is the great book of local government, <laughs> great novel of local government. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful because her own mother 
in the 1920s was one of the first aldermen, first women mm. aldermen. Oh, amazing. And so there are committee meetings in <laughs> the book, but they do they do a very good job of showing character and pushing the narrative forward. And it's it's kind of like a bit like uh, I think if you people who like Middlemarch would probably really like uh, oh, Friday. Um, but yeah, it's it is it's a fascinating, fascinating look at local how local government affects the lives of ordinary people mm. and the decisions that are made and the compromises that are made um, to get things done can sometimes have a very negative impact on very marginalized people mm. and I, I think it's I think it's an absolutely wonderful book um, and um, and I think more people should read it and actually her other books as well because she died very young. Um, in fact, Self Riding was her greatest book and also her last book. She died in her thirties, um, and mm. who knows what she would have gone on to to do as as an author? But she was absolutely brilliant. That's, oh, that's on my list now. Yeah. That was, I mean, Kim in adult SF, Kim Stanley Robinson is also yes. writes a lot of this, of course. Um, He's awesome. Yeah, no, I I I love that kind of very practical nature of his books yes and very much like yes i'm going to write some meetings god damn you <laughs> well yeah i mean i i think that that's i i find i find the kind of one lone cowboy in a spaceship uh type of traditional sf very very boring and um i mean the the i'm not a big fan of the martian um sorry science fiction people I know it's, it's, an, it's a pleasing logic it's kind of pleasing as a logic puzzle to read like in that yes. way it sort of goes tick 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 in a sort of very satisfying way if you like yeah. building Meccano um but yes it, the sort it, of does, lone, yeah. it does show the backup <laughs> to mm. this, this one lone cowboy in space that the, the kind of logistics stuff and ev yes everybody and actually coming back to um edge of the ocean although flick has the one you know she's she's the one with the special power um she's very you know she's very much using it along with everything that everybody else does it's yes. not just her it's this whole series of things that everyone has to happen and people do have to talk to each other and you know grit their teeth and agree to co cooperate yeah. and you know she has that she has and needs that support and also you know the, the, the family support um and there's a sense of her having a uh, there's a sense of kind of responsibility as well as uh, as it being more than a privilege it's it's a thing that now means that she you know yeah. is obliged to do something with it and it is it, and it is part of the story is about this is a climate emergency we mm. have to work urgently to do something about this climate emergency yes how are we going to get the needs of warring peoples mm to uh, and get them all to cooperate and and um uh, and how are we sorry and how are we going to um save everybody like because yes. initially it's like we this can't this cannot be done we've got a solution for some people but not everyone um and that's no nobody's happy nobody is happy about that basically and they keep looking for a solution for a, for yes. a better solution which obviously involves directly involves flick yeah um, absolutely so the final thing I wanted to talk about, which I think it would be, it would be really uh, remiss of us not to talk about it, 
is that this is very much a queer book mm. and it's uh an, a, at a very age appropriate nature mm. there is an awareness of attractions and an awareness of identities and and developing identities and again i think it's something that lipinski does really well mm. so like that starts off in the supermarket at the beginning of the story when oh yeah where jonathan's really like it gets all it gets all embarrassed <laughs> it gets all embarrassed and that's done that's done beautifully and in a quite a kind of a humorous way of like you know jonathan's talking to this hunky boy and it's like <laughs> And, and ends up going oh no I'm making such a fool of myself and it's, it's let us never speak of this again yes <laughs> and it's done it's done so well and I love it and it mm. is it it really gives another dimension to, to Jonathan mm. we learn and we sorry, learn about, sorry we learn that Jonathan is trans in the first book oh, that's also I was going to say yes it's incredibly incredibly well it's basically a throwaway line that someone can yep. pick up if they are of that mind oh yeah my auntie gave me this pink t-shirt because she thought i was a girl yeah and there's i think there's reference to his uh binder in the in yes. this book in the second one yeah. um and so yes it's very it's very casually done it's very much this is just a thing about this person and it's not this is that's not what the story is about it's yeah it's, it just happens this person happens to be trans which is nice it starts um, yeah really well and, and the, the the kind of the way that uh flick is unsettled by avery mm. is done really well as so like she's not expecting avery to be there at all she kind of gets a bit like but jonathan's my friend mm. um, about um you know doesn't really and finds it uncomfortable that avery has a relationship longer than her relationship with Jonathan mm. um but that's very much as a kind of friendship but the feeling that the way that her the way that her approach to Avery changes over mm. the book and it's sort of a like this could be a friendship this could be more than a friendship this could be both the friendship and also a mm. an attraction and I really, I I found that beautifully done as well. It's it's very much that that feeling of, um, you know, this person is this person is cool. Like yes. maybe I want to be, you know, do I want to be their friend? Do I want to be them? Do I, you know, do I want to kiss them? Like, or, yeah. you know, I think early, you know, on Flick's not even got that far because you know she's supposed to be eleven, and I think you know yeah. some eleven-year-olds have more of that going you know some 11 year olds are it's super not into anything like any, yeah. any kind of romance or sort of se version oh God, of start of sexual feelings really but some 11 year olds are starting to have those and yes, starting to have crushes at that yeah. age um and flick i think is just on it reads as she her being just on the cusp of not being quite like starting to think maybe you know we can hold hands maybe is that that like that yeah. feels really nice like what's going on what's going on there um, but also i think especially in um same-sex relationships that feeling of do i want to be this person or you know am i attracted to them or um, do i just really oh, do i really really admire them yeah, yeah do, I, do I, I actually have feelings for them yeah yes and i mean i would like to hope that this is slightly easier for kids now who have more words available to them yes. for these things but you know i didn't realize i was bi for until my early 20s because oh, yeah. 
I very much confuse these feelings of, you know, uh, Justine Fishman's out of Elastica was my kind of first crush. I now realise, but at the time I was just like, she's amazingly cool and I totally want to be her. Like, there's a bit more to it than that. Yes. Like, uh, and that oh. was, yeah, definitely crush feelings. But I didn't have, I literally didn't know the the, okay. the words or didn't know that they yeah. could apply to me. Um, so that, yeah, that I was, I was a very, I was very slow to kind of pick up on that stuff. Um, and I kind of actually love that this is, you know, a, someone who's 11 and is only very starting to have those feelings at all but is yeah is fine with having them about another girl that's that feels really that feels really positive and it's also never something that would have uh, shown up in a children's book when I was that age at all but that's one of the reasons why I really loved reading school stories because Mm. that yeah there is a bit of that though yeah there's a crush yeah that um and that and that's discussed quite explicitly with um within uh the king's cookbooks mm, yes no it is isn't it? Yeah. King's cookbooks uh you know particularly with oh god what's the girl's name i've forgotten anyway like uh there, there's the uh no there's pomona who goes around having oh pomona who they don't like who goes around having passions i think they call it on, on yeah. all the girls but i don't know if that's also, what you mean yeah there's also uh girl whose name i can't remember that was a friend of rowan their big sister oh yeah yeah yes who um looks out for nicola in cricket term and yes. her best friend miranda has a mm. crush on oh, her. yes she does yes yeah yes, i remember that one now yeah i can't yeah. remember the older girl's name either but yeah uh, they, they're, they're brilliant books and yeah so that kind of that gave me that gave me the understanding that this was not an unusual thing, but he didn't have the language. Mm. So kind of, yeah, I, I think that having the language to name your feelings or discuss your feelings, yes. if, if yeah. you want to do that, is really good because I, uh, like you, I didn't realise I was bi until I was in my 20s. And that was in the dreadful 1990s period mm. where, um, you know, uh, a lot of, women's spaces were very very hostile to buy women mm. yeah okay well thank you so much for um coming and being on uh this the this episode um it's been a lot of fun thank you very much for inviting me great. where can we find you online juliet um i have a website which is julietkemp.com I am on the Twitter for as long as the Twitters continue. Don't you be on the X? Oh, God. Oh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I am on the Twitters. <laughs> I'm calling it yeah, ridiculous nonsense. Anyway, as Juliet K. And I'm on Mastodon as Juliet at Zirk, Z-I-R-K dot U-S. Um, Perfect. But that's all linked from the website, which is Perfect. Uh, it's all easier. Oh, uh, yeah. So yes, it's been so it's been so lovely to chat, and I've yeah, I'm now very tempted to go and have a, a reread of um, all the swallows and Amazons ones again. Do it. Do <laughs> they it. were so fun. They were so fun to read aloud. Actually, that the one thing I really appreciated reading them all aloud was that Ransom's a really good writer. Like yeah. it, 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 it reads well when you slow down and read it aloud, um, yeah. and it was really enjoyable to read aloud. So I like that. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I, I think that um, I I am very tempted to get 
uh, when the next my next free Audible credit comes up, I'm very mm. tempted to get Swallows and Amazons as uh, an Audible. Yeah, yeah. Depending on who the reader is, because uh, yeah, yeah, I can get a sample first. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> thank yeah, you. Thank, thank you very much. And thank you all for listening. Uh, this is episode thirty-five of Fantasy Book Swap. You can find me on Twitter for as long as um, until Twitter explodes at Fantasy Swap. You can find us on Facebook at Fantasy Book Swap and uh, all on sorts of other places as well. Um, and please do like and uh, review this podcast because it really helps to satisfy my vanity. Thank you for <laughs> Steve Vapor Trails uh, for production assistance and to Jack Sudler Johnson for the use of his beautiful track, Bliss. Until next time, bye!